Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Grief Out Loud podcast produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children. I'm Janet Christofero and wanted to give you just a little heads up as you listen to this episode, you'll be hearing references to our old name, which was Dear Ducky. So just so you don't get too confused, you're listening to the right podcast, and we look forward to bringing you even more great content under the Grief Out Loud name. Thanks for joining us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dear Dougie podcast produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children. I'm Janet Acristofero, and thank you for tuning in today. This podcast is meant to open up the often avoided conversation about grief. While we will all experience loss at some point in our lives, when it occurs, most of us don't know how to feel about it, what to do, or even how to talk about it. So whether you're grieving a loss or wanting to support someone who is, we hope these podcast conversations lead to a better understanding of grief and also provide you with some ideas and inspiration for how to show up for yourself and those you care about. When someone in our life dies, many of us are left with if-onlys. Some of those if-onlys are interwoven with thoughts of that maybe we could have somehow prevented the death. If only I had asked him to pick me up later. If only I had made her go to the doctor sooner. Other if-onlys relate to wishing that we had connected more with the person, maybe talked with them more, asked them more questions about their life. There's often a sense that there is so much more to know about that person, ideas and advice that we long to hear from them. Sometimes, though, we discover something about the person that we never expected, information that can leave us shocked, disappointed, and angry. In today's episode, I'm talking with Matthew about his story of finding out a secret about his father after his father died of cancer in 2009. Welcome, Matthew. Thank you, Jana. It's so great to have you here and talk with you. Likewise, it's great to be here again. Can you start by telling us a little bit about your story, about your dad, how he died, what your relationship with him was like? Yeah, absolutely. So he always called me his number one son um, because I was the firstborn. My biggest supporter, go to all my sporting events. He was the person that I always looked up to. And then he was diagnosed with cancer June 30th on my birthday of 2009 and passed away. How old were you? I was just turned 21. So he was diagnosed my birthday and then passed away six months later. And yeah, when he was diagnosed, it was ironic because I wanted to videotape him and ask him all the questions that I never got to ask him before. I wanted so much just to like hear kind of his, his final words. Did and, you get a chance to do that, to tape him? Um, I never got a chance to tape him, but over the course of six months after he died, we learned... A couple, we got a couple letters that kind of shifted things that I didn't know about him. So when your father died, you had a particular image of who he was. Yeah, yeah. He was kind of this patriarch, the person I always looked up to. He was a man's man, the guy that everybody wanted to emulate. And then what happened after that? You said you received a few letters. Yeah. So three months after, we get a letter from a woman that claims that he is her biological father. And she's trying to reach out to him. And then he had her when he was 21 and then put her up for adoption. And we reached out to my uncles and nobody knew about this mysterious child that he supposedly had. And then three months after that, we get a letter from a woman addressed to my mom that says she had an affair with my dad at her house while she was at work. They went on trips together. And before then, I never really knew that infidelity was a problem or like cheating on my mom was a problem in the marriage. But then come to find out that cheating was a very common theme throughout their whole marriage. 
How did you discover that? I mean, I know these letters came in. Yeah, the letters came in, and then it just opened up dialogue between my mom and I very briefly and a little bit over a period of time. And the hardest part was like, how do I process all this information when he's dead and nobody can go to him and ask him, Dad, how about this daughter? Did you really have this daughter? Did you really have an affair with this woman that's saying the letter? And there's no chance to... Corroborate that with him. Or... Yeah. And everybody had a different solution. You know, my, my dad's uncles, they were super devout believers in my dad. And they're like, oh, he would never do that. My mom was like, oh, yeah, like he totally cheated all the time. And it was hard because then I was in the middle of trying to find a balance of processing all this information. And I was missing him, but at the same time angry that he would do that. How could he have these big secrets that I didn't know about? Did you go through a period of time of not believing it and saying this, pos- this can't possibly be true? No, I always kind of sensed it. Um, my parents never really had that great of a marriage. There's always turbulence. And my dad always painted my mom as like this crazy woman. And then he was the sane, righteous one in the marriage. And when you were younger, is, is that a story that you aligned with? Did, did that make sense to you? Your that made say? sense to me, yeah. And then looking at it afterwards, realizing that him not being faithful in the marriage created my mom's emotions in the first place and made her react the way that she reacted. And it started to give me a holistic picture out of everything because growing up, I was raised to believe it was all my mom's fault. She wasn't supportive enough and she didn't do enough. And then coming out of that, seeing the whole picture of like, all right, well, my dad isn't this perfect person anymore. And then how do I kind of justify that? How did you get there? I mean, I'm just picturing you getting just sort of an onslaught of new information about this person you had really looked up to. Yeah, it was it was tough and a lot of anger. And it was really strange going from angry one minute to crying the next. And I remember talking with people and my eyes would just start to, to swell up and like tear up and suddenly was, water is leaking from them. Water suddenly, so yeah, <laughs> it was really strange going through the strange emotions and not understanding, not being able to process everything. And I realized when I started attending the Dougie Center and I would just verbalize, I'm really angry today. And as soon as I said that, the anger would kind of dissipate. And the more times I let my emotions come up to the surface, the more times they went down. And then the waves kind of slowly over time became smaller and smaller and I could kind of see the whole picture. Yeah, like being swimming in the ocean, it's so hard to see what's around you when there's just one wave after yeah. crashing over you. And then once everything kind of stopped, I could kind of take my breath and evaluate the situation. Before your dad died, how did you deal with strong emotions? Yeah, I definitely did not deal with strong emotions. I've never been somebody who, I never cried before my dad died. I, that was just not an emotion I was comfortable with. Never got angry. My dad was a businessman. And so I was just kind of raised in that business environment of emotions aren't practical. They're not practical. Yeah. Not efficient. Not efficient. I was just raised to not have emotions. And so it was definitely made it even harder because then once he died, there were very strong emotions that I wasn't comfortable dealing with, confronting. It's hard to be practical about grief. Yeah. It's not a very efficient experience. No. How did the information that you found out about your dad affect your grief? It's hard because honestly, that phase of my life is such a blur for a whole year after my dad died. It just kind of feels like this emotional blur. So it's hard to recollect specifically. It's also hard to imagine 
my father's death without that information because now those two have just become so intertwined and a part of the grief process. It's hard to visualize disassociating those two. When he first died, I remember because he died in our house on December 16th and I was the last person to look at him. And I remember holding his hands and then he shook one last time and then he was just gone. I remember that face that he had when he died. Would the have actual expression. The actual expression. And I would have dreams of like other people dying. I would visualize him being there again and he'd feel real and then I would wake up and he'd be gone again. And then once I learned about the information, those dreams kind of took on a different approach because then I no longer wanted to see him. And it was weird being in this environment of missing him at the same time, like, no, I don't want to see you. I can't believe you would do this to us. I can't believe you would hurt the family like this. So your anger at him and what he had done took a different take on that missing him and wishing he was there. Yeah, because then it became, no, I don't want to see you. One of the lessons I've learned through this period was that nothing we ever do ever is really secret. Everything eventually comes out to the surface. And so now I just tell people everything. Now I'm like so worried that I'm going to die one day and I'm going to leave behind all these secrets and I can't clear anything up. And so I always tell people like, You just yeah. try to get it out of the way I just now. get out of the way. Like I took that pen from work. I'm so sorry. Here's your pen back. So it's turned you into the most in the moment honest person. I try to be. Like that's my worst fear now is dying and then having secrets that people have to process through. Well, it's interesting because so many people, maybe not so many people, but I hear people talking about and wondering what's their legacy going to be when they die? What mm -hmm. will they leave behind? Yeah. And I wonder how many people are thinking about things that they've done or said that people will find out later. That was another kind of impact that the death had on me is realizing that no matter what, I'm going to influence the world. And that can be either good or bad. It could be either positive or negative, depending on what I want to do in the world. So I try and create as much of a positive influence as I can because I realize my dad that no matter what, we're going to leave an impact on the people that we leave behind. It spurred you to be really conscientious, conscious of what impact you will have. Yeah, I, I definitely try and be very conscious of my actions and how, that, how those actions are going to influence other people. Do you have a sense, Matthew, of how your worldview, maybe what beliefs you were raised with, where you were raised, the family you were raised in, how that became a part of your grief? Um, my parents weren't very active in my life. Like growing up, my mom, like I was always at sporting events and my dad would go to those sometimes, but it was, I was just kind of on my own most of the time growing up. So it's, it's hard to say. I think rather than like belief systems, it was more just the value of friendships that changed the most throughout the whole grief process, and that really got me through it. Can you say more about that? Like, you discovered how important they were to you after yeah. your dad died? Once my my father died, any friend that I thought I had decided it would be a good time to stop talking to me since I wasn't, you know, happy old Jolly Matthew anymore. And I realized how valuable good friendships are and how they're really rare. And now when I find a friend who... I know it would be there for me if something happens. I like hold on. I'm like, oh, mm. can I like shine your shoes for you? <laughs> like, do you need a ride? Let me confess all the things I've done and then do whatever I can. Yes, to be a good exactly, with you. exactly. So I definitely 
um, I guess my belief system would be more in friendships and the value of connection with individuals through the grief process. Deepening those relationships. Yeah, exactly. When you think back over how you felt when you found out that information about your dad and how that changed your view of him, how has that evolved? I've learned that forgiveness doesn't need the other person. Forgiveness is, for me in my heart, do I forgive my father? And I've come to a place in realizing that I can't change anything, can't change his actions. The only thing I can do is grow from that and then learn and move on. And at this point, I there's not a part of me at all that would be angry at my dad for what he did at this point. I think I've learned and grown a lot from that experience. And I wouldn't be who I am today without that experience. And at first, I was really hard to try and take in was that I learned and grew so much from his death. I wish I could have learned and grown so much from him being alive. And at first, it was weird seeing all this good come from something bad. Mm. And I've come to a place now where I could kind of weigh both those in the same hands, where like the good and the bad, be comfortable with that duality of good can come from bad. And that doesn't mean that the bad is ever good. The fact that something good came out of it doesn't make the bad less bad. Yeah. It's just appreciating the other things that have been born out of that situation. Exactly. And I've learned that never, for me personally, I don't ever let a bad situation try and decrease the good that's still around me. And I thought about my mom and our grown relationship since then my growing relationship with my brothers since then, and friendships, and never to let grief overshadow the good that happens in life. But then also, when I am sad about my father, being comfortable with being emotionally honest and saying, I'm really missing my dad today. But then knowing that that emotion passes, and then I could accept the good as well. So it seems less about like a directive to think positive and think about the good that can come out of this, and, and more about trusting that there is still good in the midst of all of the hard and the sad and the things that are so challenging. Yeah, exactly. It's not saying that, oh, I'm so glad my dad died, but being comfortable with saying that, man, I really miss my dad and it really sucks what happened and I wish he was here, but he's not and there's still this good that's happening as well. Sounds almost like moving out of resistance and more into acknowledgement. Exactly. So often we hear the word acceptance in grief where, Mm -hmm. I don't know for you, I struggle with that word because I don't really know what that means to accept that someone has died because it always sounds like acceptance means I embrace it. And I haven't met anyone yet who's like, I'm totally embracing the fact (laughs) that my person is dead, but more of just acknowledging like Mm -hmm. they are gone and this is the effect it has on my life. I definitely agree with that definition of acceptance. And it is hard because I feel like even though my dad's not physically here, he's still influencing my everyday life. How does he influence your everyday life coming up on, it's going to be the seven-year anniversary in yeah. December. Yeah. yeah, it feels weird that seven years because it feels like just yesterday that, that I was talking with him. It, it kind of sucks because he started as a person I always wanted to be and it kind of became the opposite. The person you didn't the want to be. The person I didn't want to be. And I realized that's okay. If he was here today, probably be like, oh, you really messed up, Dad. He's like, yeah, I know. Like, I could just imagine him today being like, yeah, I haven't made the best choices. Have there been other ways you've communicated with him with this having to change your relationship with your memory of him? I think I communicated most to him probably through my mom and having open dialogues about the marriage and then reliving it that way. And my uncle's the stoic Irishman that loved telling stories. So we meet up once a year and we always hear stories about my dad. And 
So he, he stays alive through stories, through memories, um, whether that's through pictures or just talking about my dad. And do you ever, I don't know how to ask this question, but I'm thinking, you know, the conversations you had with him when he was alive were with the understanding of who he was. Mm -hmm. And now there's a different understanding of who he was. And you mentioned if he was here, you'd say, you know, dad, you really messed up. Yeah. Are there other things that you would most want to share with him? Our relationship was more silence-based. He had this sense of being comfortable in silence where I could sit next to him and know that he loved me and was enjoying the moment without him having to say anything. So if anything, it would be more sitting in silence through communication of just that sense of comfort. And in that silence, what would you most be carrying in your heart? One thing that I've learned is that despite what he did, that doesn't take away his love for me. And I realized that he is a fallible human being and that he made mistakes. But that also doesn't mean that he loves me less for those mistakes. And so in that moment of sitting in that silence, I would just understand that he loved me even though he messed up. It seems like through your whole grief process, you've come into this really interesting viewpoint of one thing not canceling out anything else, Mm -hmm. that there's room for all of those experiences and those emotions and those connections to be valid and in existence at the same time. Yeah, that's definitely how I feel. Balancing that contradicting information and realizing that I'll never know the real answers, but that's okay because the real answers aren't necessarily important for what my dad did. The only thing that's important is what I take with that information and then what I carry on. Like, How does that change me and how does that affect me over time? Thank you so much, Matthew, for coming in and talking with us. It's so great to see you again. Thank you, Jana. Likewise. And thanks, everyone out there, for listening to us today. If you would like to listen to any of our past episodes, you can find them at dougie.org. It's D-O-U-G-Y dot O-R-G. We're also in iTunes or in any of the apps that you might use to listen to podcasts. If you have an idea about a topic you'd like us to talk about, please send me an email at help at dougie.org and just put podcast somewhere in the subject line. Thanks for listening and hope you'll join us again next time. Thanks for listening.